Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Doctor Host Doctor Law, and with me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? I really stumbled on that. Also joining us this week, wearing a silly ass hat, Lavender Gooms. First off, not a silly ass hat. This is my silk cap. All right, helps helps keep hair breakage down to a, a minimum. All right, I need you to educate yourself, Bobby, and also. I wish you guys a day that Blade, Mosquitoes, Nosferatu, and Dracula can only love World Blood Donor Day. Oh, I was going to say, Mike, I like your hat. <laughs> I like your hat, and I like how you always got some holiday. That's well, Is that today? Well, when this gets released tomorrow on the 14th, um, that'll be that day. Oh, yeah, and also, uh, happy birthday to my dad. So, there you go. <laughs> Squeeze happy that birthday to your pops. And yeah, those of you, you know, got on that Patreon exclusive tier, you get it Monday night. And by Patreon exclusive, I yeah. mean you're paying attention to your phone around 9 p.m. Pacific time. No, and I my like head, that, facade no, that no, we no. have a Patreon. I mean, that no Patreon know. page is just my Venmo account. If you guys can find me, just send me money. Let's not do that. All right. Me. I'm the one paying the bills here. Send me money. Me. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a little scratch, Bobby. I'll send you a little percentage. Oh, I got you. Percentage. All right. Um, all right, boys and girls. Um, let me say I was really excited for the show today because when there's a really good card and it and you know not just like when it's supposed to be a good card and it's somehow even better. And I mean, it wasn't even like this card. The top three fights is what we're talking about. Top three fights were supposed to be good. Blue was pa- blue past expectations. Even when the co-main event wasn't necessarily that exciting. I guess the way it went was very surprising. And some really good fights to open the main card. Um, shout out to Jack Della, Madalena, the only bet Mike and I got right this week. Mm, right on. That. Besides that. Yeah. Um, yeah, coming to you from the Singapore Indoor Stadium in, in Kalang, Singapore. With attendance of 10,000 people there for breakfast and fights. It'd be really cool if they had, like, the concession. I know they would never do this, but concession stands had, like, hey, man, it's breakfast time. You know, we got an omelet bar. We'll get you one of those. Or, like, I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's just a Cinnabon. I don't know what a traditional breakfast is like over there. Maybe maybe it's, you know. Is Singapore one of those food. countries where everybody, everybody's just from somewhere else? Like, I mean, sure, there's people born there, too. But, like, it's one of those. It's a very much a traveler's city, right? Like, I know lobby. I, I know people. I know people who move I'm, there. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a traveler's uh, country because it's not just a city, uh, but it is very multi-ethnic. It is one of the rare countries that has about four different um, official slash national languages. So there's nothing to do with what I just threw out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was, he was co-signing. He's basically saying, yeah, it's, it's a, you know. It is multi. It's multi-ethnic, but not. I don't think it's necessarily just like a, a traveler's, you know, like hub or something. I just want to say when I said it was a city, not necessarily wrong because it's a city-state. Just saying, like Greece back in the day. 
I mean, it's a city state and it's a country. Like I don't Sparta? know, man. I don't know. That's what Wikipedia said. Um, I remember the fuck I was going with this. But uh, UFC put on a show, guys. UFC blew past uh, whatever made-up numbers one has said over the years in terms of their gates. UFC blew past. One just makes stuff up, guys. I'm sorry. They just say numbers and we're just like, what? <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> Nothing? Or like, hey, our weight loss, our weight cutting program has really improved fighter health. We're like, cool, where? We, we're cutting late, less, less weight. Cool, I guess. What? Prove us stuff. I'm going on a rant. UFC had two title fights. We got a new champion. Uh, Marcus, Glover Teixeira, Yuri Prohaska put on, if not the greatest light heavyweight title fight of all time, right up there with Jones and Gustafson, probably. And uh, I guess DC and Gustafson, too, if you're up there in those debates. Um, a fight, Marcus, that I think I thought was going to be over on no less than 10 occasions. Where, like, I was like, oh, we're, 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 this is it, right? Oh, no, kept going. New UFC light heavyweight champion in Yuri Prohaska. I mean, what is there to say besides we saw two men give us just everything they had? Yeah, no, it was a great fight. And I, I, personally, I think it's the best light heavyweight fight. Um, and I guess that the other measuring sticks is Alex and John Jones. I mean, that fight... Is significant because we never seen. Yeah, John some of it. Tested. Some of it has the circumstances of that one. It comes it comes into play. The circumstances around the fight is what affects. Sure, that but as just a pure fight, which is what I care about. Circumstances be damned. Like if I'm not having, I mean, it's not that that fight wasn't entertaining and fun, but this was much more entertaining and much more fun because of, like you said, so many twists and turns. Yeah. Both these guys having you know advantages and disadvantages that the other guy was able to pick apart and utilize well and just really never knowing, you know, where this fight was going to go and especially even how it ended was still surprising. So, I mean, what I will say is that I think we all picked Yuri for this one, right? I don't think any of us took Glover. Correct. I thought Mike took Glover. Mike, which is the one you differed on? I thought you, I thought you picked Glover. Am I wrong? Maybe he did. I honestly don't remember. Uh, no, he, I'm sorry. Mike picked, uh, Joanna was the one that he got wrong. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I think personally when I watched this fight, and I really liked the post fight that I heard from Yuri and that he was very displeased with his performance. I mean, he accounts that it was a, you know, a fight of the of the year type of fight that that type of entertaining. But he knows. And what I saw, too, was like it was not a good performance for him. It was kind of a rough night for him. And that's what made it so entertaining. You know, we talked last week. I didn't think Glover was going to have the quickness to get in on the legs of Yuri and he was able to take him down the first round. He was able to do a pretty good job controlling advancing position. He got mounts multiple times, laid down heavy ground and pound. Um, Yuri was really on the back foot for a lot of this fight. You know, anytime he got to the ground, you know, to get back up, he kind of had to sell out and give up his back, which was you know, exactly what Glover wanted. He was able to get back up on a couple occasions but I felt like he really had a hard time getting into his flow. You know, we've seen it in his other two fights when this guy's really on in the standup and his strikes are just flowing and he's cutting angles. He he's on a different level. So Marcus, um, I was going to bring this up later, but like I, but it kind of ties into this. So I don't know if you've caught Izzy Adesanya's YouTube channel where like he'll post like him and his buddies' reactions while he's breaking. I, out I see thumbnails, but I never okay. watched it. So. Um, I've watched a few times, and this one I was watching him. You know, he's watch. It's a. It's not like it's. It's not a three-hour video. It's like cut down to fifteen minutes. Right. And he's watching the main event. And any time Yuri threw a knee, just a jumping knee or any sort of thing, 
uh, Izzy was losing his mind. Like, yo, stop it. Because like he was just throwing single knee. Any, like anytime he would get like a thing going, like any sort of momentum or a flow, as you put it, going, he'd drop one of those knees. And that was like the one thing Glover had like scouted big time. Like anytime this guy like, like looks like he's going to jump up, I'm grabbing that lead leg. Like anytime he would pretty much jump for a knee, Glover would get a hold of him. And it seemed like that was something that was really bringing I mean, him to a stop. My bigger criticism of that would be like, I don't care if he throw, if throwing he knees wasn't is setting not, it up though. Well, that's the thing. They were bad. They were bad flying knees. And that's what, and this is kind of what I'm talking about. He did not get, I mean, I think it was in the second or third round where we started to see him get in that flow state where his, his strikes were really starting to flow. He was creating different angles, causing a lot of damage against Glover a lot of the rest of the fight, he was struggling to kind of find that range, to find that rhythm. And Glover was doing a great job. You know, a lot of times when Yuri would press forward, that's when he would shoot the takedowns. And a lot of times, like, these takedowns weren't super technical. There were a lot of a single legs that he would just elevate. And Glover was like, be damned. I don't give a fuck if I take you down with this. I'm going to trip you up. And as you're building yourself back up, that's when I'm going to continue the takedown and try to get your back and, and work from there. And it worked on, on him for multiple occasions. Um, to Yuri's credit, a couple times, he would get the advantage, would be able to turn the tables, and would get on top. And again, we never—I don't know if we saw the scorecards, but there was—I think like the first round, like it would be interesting to look back. I think Glover dominated most of it, but Yuri put a beating on him in the last like 15 seconds with like really heavy ground and pound. And I was like, "This is where," and we'll probably get into this more in the second fight. But this is where that damage trumps all could be kind of interesting. Yeah, Bob. I got the scorecards. So okay. uh looks like I we doubt anyone gave Yuri the first round, but so when I was watching it, all I was three like, ju- so here's the thing. All three judges first two rounds to Glover. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of the judges gave rounds three and four to Yuri, which the fourth is an interesting decision. Um another one gave Yuri just a third. So three to one mm-hmm. is I think I had three to one. Did you have three to one, you thought, going into the fifth, or did you know it was not gonna be a decision? So you didn't try to keep score. Um, I probably did, probably in my own head. I, I saw. But Mike, people, did you keep score I, also? By the way, sorry, Mark. But did you? I, was like, I can't remember exactly which rounds I gave to Glover, but but you I keep score when Glover... you know the result. Do you know the result? You keeping score still? No, I mean, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially when I know it's going deep into like the the fourth or fifth round, I like to think, well, let's see who would have won. Especially like the guy who lost, I like to think, well. Would he have won if it hadn't gone to uh you know like if it hadn't been a, a finish? I think I had Glover three rounds to one. And then uh, the last judge had it three one, but the one round Yuri had was a ten eight, which was the third, which mm. was the one where I thought Glover was a walking bag. Also, uh, I had Glover three three rounds to one, not even counting the fifth round, which he was on his way to win. Well, until I mean, the until last, he got, until he until, just I mean, died, until he, until he got, ran out yeah, of gas yeah. with. <laughs> A minute left. Marcus, sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, there's some times where Yuri did good work on top, is all, all I was really trying to say. A couple times, and in that first round I thought was interesting because when I look, when I watched it, I was like, okay, Glover dominated that round and probably deserves to win, but like when it comes to just pure damage, like I thought Yuri was kind of close to stopping it at the end of the round. Like he was putting on really good ground and pound. Obviously it didn't. It was a great fight. And then, you know, in the fifth round, that is where Glover made some tactical decisions that obviously did not benefit him. He cracked him with a fantastic right straight, um, really had Yuri on the ropes. I think he even followed up and hit him a few more times. Probably the closest in the entire fight of finishing the fight. 
Um, Yuri kind of shot in and Glover went for a, a very ill-advised guillotine. You know, I think essentially once he hit the ground, he was already out of the guillotine. It gave Yuri a chance to kind of recuperate. Um, they got back to their feet. Glover hit him again with one of his other best shots, a great left hook. Had uh, Yuri stumbling into the cage once again, and he shot for a double and ultimately for a single. And I think he ultimately might have finished the takedown. But those were two times where if he would have just put on the pressure, continued to strike, he might have been able to get the W. But, you know, in the moment, I'm sure Glover's thinking, like, this guy's hurt. He's probably more vulnerable than ever to just snack up a guillotine real quick and finish this. And, you know, it just didn't happen. And, of course, the end of the fight, when Glover was building himself back up, you know, gave up his back. And Yuri got in, you know, a clean rear naked choke with no hooks. And I kind of thought with no hooks, Glover should be able to fight the hands and try to stand back up. And I, I just think he was blown at that point. You know, we saw Glover multiple times in this fight where it looked like he was completely gassed and kind of got a second win. I think it was like in, going into the fifth round, like you look at the dude, he's smiling. He's having a good time. He's, he's enjoying this fight because he's kicking ass and winning the fight. But, like, you can see him getting rejuvenated. There's a couple times I thought, like, okay, he's getting tired. Some of the body work that Yuri put on the third round, which I think he really should have gone back to, was wearing on him. And Glover still looked in good shape. He still looked very much in the fight, except in these last moments, I think the tank really was on empty. He just didn't have anything else to fight that choke off. Yeah, and, like, some of those decisions, I wonder if a friend, was it just, like, this man's been hitting the head a lot. And, like, this is where, like, are we just working on instinct at this point? Like, this is what I do. I hit people a few times. I take them down. You know what I mean? Um, Mike, your thoughts, man. Just overall. Well, this is one of the uh, two Mia Copels that I have to issue in this podcast based off uh, dumb shit that I said last week. Uh, in my analysis of the fight last week, I basically said Glover got his championship. Glover's old. We might see a Glover that's not going to try very hard in this one. And that couldn't have been fur further from the truth. He caught, as Mark said, not just like one second wind. He was like on his fourth wind where there were multiple times in this fight where he just looked gas and he was taking a lot of damage. And somehow he would come back and get really good shots in and, and stun Yuri. So... It really is a disappointment that he, he lost this fight because I I thought he was well on his way of winning. It seems everyone else did as well. Um, now I guess the real question is, does Glover hang him up? Does Glover perhaps oh, he, he's try to get... He's pretty clear about not... After the post-fight interview, he was pretty clear I'm not hanging it up. It seemed like. Then, then perhaps considering how close this... I mean, considering he was winning the fight, not even how close the fight was, considering he was winning the fight, in my opinion, um, and the opinion of others, maybe he gets one win, and maybe he gets right back in there if Yuri's still champion. So uh, we got a couple options here, because that's where I was going next. We got the rankings right now. I'm looking at them. Glover was number one, but, you know, we had Jan, Yuri, Rakic, and Ankolov. And then Anthony Smith at five. Rakic's knee exploded. Yuri obviously just became champion. Glover just lost. It's Jan is what we're talking about here. Because Ankalov has got a fight with Anthony Smith booked at the end of uh, next month. Jan, like they saw each other out. Jan was there. Yuri and him shook hands. And like Jan was saying, put us in Europe in a soccer stadium. Like me and him, put us in Europe. 
in Poland or in Czech Republic, and we will sell out a soccer stadium. Um, and I was thinking about that earlier today, and I was just like, that sounds cool. And then I just realized, I'd just rather Glover get another title shot. Which is weird, Mark, considering when he did get the title shot, we were all like, man, this weight class is really yada, 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 old man Glover. But, I mean, I know, like, also last week we were saying, like, oh, we're, you know, we may be having these fights happen too soon when they're doing rematches and trilogies. But he's 43, 42. Like, if we're going to do it, I think we should. Let's do it now. That's just my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, what do you I want? Mean, I you think want those the, are the two most What do you logical? want out of the two? Um, I'm skeptical <laughs> if they could sell a, a soccer stadium. Sell out a soccer stadium. Well, do you see the could, thing? They have 7,000 people come to a parade in the middle true. of the day, like, too. If, if it's... If it's in Czech Republic, maybe, and I don't. I mean, I, I didn't see Jan's reception. I don't know if he had. 7, I, he had something. People. I don't know if he had a full-on parade. Like, he I mean, had a lot of people. Like, it looked like he won the NBA championship. A lot of people. It's Monday. Dog. Are we? It's are we banking? Are we banking on this being a title fight that you get in Europe? That that's why we think we can sell. Well, he thinks they can sell. Well, they've out never a done a stadium. They never had a European versus European. In like they never done, a, I don't think they've ever done a, like a huge stadium in Europe except for what they were doing in Sweden with Alex Gustafsson when it was like thirty thousand or so. I don't think was they were bigger. Was, was that a big stadium? I don't. Really I mean thirty thousand. I mean most of your arenas don't get bigger than twenty thousand, and most of them are around fifteen to be honest. So mm-hmm. thirty thousand was a big deal for um, Stockholm. How many are in a soccer stadium? 50, 60, 70. Like and is talking, that for soccer? What, or is that for a, because uh, like there, there's gonna be people on the field too. Well, we're talking like whatever they did. Like, uh, how many did they do for like Ronda and Holly in Australia? We're talking about or GSP and Shields. Mm. That numbers we're talking about. Mike, so like Gustafson and Rumble. That was a, in front of like thirty thousand people. Yeah, three a.m. Everybody got the just Oof. looking miserably. Oof, walk that home. is rough. This is the most get, quiet arena get, it's ever been. To get folded like that in front of thirty thousand of your of your countrymen. Oof, it's rough. Yeah, I think they did a big stadium yeah. also when Stipe folded Fabricio. That was another one in Brazil. That was a big stadium or big arena. Okay. I mean, I would, I would like the on fight. I think, I mean, obviously it's a fresh fight. We haven't already seen, but like, I'm not going to scoff at, you know, a Glover fight. I think it would be, I would hope it would be very different. I do feel like when I was watching Yuri fight, like it did not seem like himself. He wasn't really performing like we've seen him perform before. And maybe all the credits due to Glover and the pressure he put on him or, or what have you. But like, I would imagine a rematch wouldn't really play out the same. And honestly, watching this fight, um, and maybe we'll talk about Inoue a little later because that fight happened uh, last week too. Yep. It reminded me of the first fight with Inoue and uh, uh, Daener because like, this is like a young, promising prospect that's fighting an old vet and he really got tested. He had to, he, he got into the deep waters. He really had to pull it out and he did. And that's exactly what Inoue did. So I, I saw a lot of similarities in that fight. And much like the the rematch that we saw last week, I do think if these these, these two guys fought again, I think we would see a very different fight, and I would imagine Yuri would perform a lot better because I do feel like his performance was very lackluster. And he said it himself, like when he was in that fight, a lot of the fight was him just trying to survive, and that's not how he likes to fight. That's not his style. That's not where he's comfortable. He likes to be the hunter. He likes to be the guy going after the shot. You know, even in the thick of it, like someone that is still game was a lot of this fight was him on the ground, trying to build himself back up, Glover getting positions on him, getting pounded on, trying to get back up to his feet, getting on his feet and throwing ill-advised flying knees that like, and again, to that point, like not a bad strategy. If, if the dude's best chance is to shoot on you, uppercuts and knees, which he landed good uppercuts on him too in this fight, those are good tools to have, but those flying knees weren't set up. 
they weren't in anywhere dangerous. They weren't going to the body. He was trying to go to the head, but didn't get high enough at all. So they were just easy to snatch up and get takedowns off. So I imagine a rematch would look very different, but I still want to see it all the same. Yeah, and I mean, I ended up just rooting for Glover at the end. I was like, let's get this old man another win here. W. Let's get him a W. Absolutely. Um, we'll see where we're going. Um, Valentina, Valentina Shevchenko, Talia Santos. Mike, we'll go ahead and apologize. I'm going to let you do your apology right now. <laughs> yep, so this is my second Mia culpa that I have to issue from really dumb shit I said last week. However, before I, you know what, it's not a Mia culpa if you offer an excuse, so I will not give any excuses. Uh, you did it twice I, also. You can't even have an excuse. <laughs> I, I, okay. I pointed out how you were being foolish and then you did it again. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. You know, let's not let's not rub it in here, Bobby. Yeah, y'all here looking like a surfer here, fucking bare chested. What the hell's wrong? Are we with telling you? secrets, Mike? You want me to talk about what we talked about before the podcast? Uh, you know what? You know what? How about no? You know what? <laughs> what I meant to say was I wanted to give my Mia Copa, and I basically just wrote off Talia Santos uh, last week, and she gave Shevchenko her toughest competition outside of Amanda Nunes. Um, that was very unexpected. That was the last time Shevchenko lost a fight on anybody's scorecard. Because she won a split here. Um, judges had it 3 2 3 Shevchenko, 3 2 Santos, and 4 1 Shevchenko. Media had it about 3 to 1, 4 to, uh, maybe 4 to 1 for Shevchenko, 3 to 1 or 4 to 1 to Shevchenko, with the vast majority having a 3 2, a uh, handful of 4 1s. Um, the round, the closest round being the second round appears to be a lot of the, uh, for the people arguing that, uh, Santos won, they're arguing that she won the second, the, the first three fights, first three rounds, basically, right? Uh, Santos's chances got severely diminished when an accidental clash of heads broke her orbital bone and she spent the last two rounds trying not to get knocked out. It felt like, and, uh, just, she lost those pretty handedly. Um, she should have pulled a Sterling. She would have won the fight. It would have. You could. That wasn't a DQ. You couldn't say it was a DQ. That was an intentional legal knee. Well, it would have been a no I contest. Perhaps it's a no contest. Mark is trying to. Well, if she had said, "I can't continue," oh, I guess it was accidental. Yeah, I and think it's a no contest. Draw. Is that a no? Con I don't know the rule. I was wondering that too because I'm like, if they stop this, do I get my money? Because I had money on Shevchenko finishing the fight, and I'm like, I don't know if that means we won or not. Is this a TKO? I, well, I think it's, well, it's usually, from what I remember, and I don't, I think in boxing, it's like if there is an accidental foul that causes a stoppage to the fight after so many rounds, they go to the scorecard. So I don't know. It, well, I guess how many did, how many rounds is that? I guess in a title thought, fight, is did it, it three? Happen, did it happen in the third or the fourth? I think it happened. Third. No, it happened at the end of the, of the third? third. Yeah. By I the way, so. that doctor was real. Like, you good? And she's like, I'm good. And I'm like, I don't. Could she see? And it looked like the swelling went down a little bit. So because at the end, it looked like you could see her, you know, her eyeball, actually. Um, I guess, Mike, Santos, just tough as hell, made good good grappling, um, good good use of her grappling. Shevchenko claims she's saying she was hurt going into this fight. Whatever. Uh, she looked fairly mortal. Um, I was looking up how long it takes to recover from an orbital injury. And the minimum is one month. I'm imagining worse if you need to get the surgery. Um, Shevchenko, before this fight, was talking about going up to 135 when this was over. Nah, you girl, want that? You got, a, you got a rematch. That's Does what she? you got. Do you care? 
more than watching her go to 135? I look, I let me tell you where I'm at now, Mike. I've given up any concept of meritocracy. Like, I don't care. Any, I'm just week to week, what's gonna get me the most entertaining matchup? And I want to see Shevchenko go for greatness and get him the belt. I think no. I think what's best is there's an actual compelling fight at Flyweight for once. And I think that's where they need to go when it comes with Shevchenko. I mean, compelling? Close? Yeah. I mean, compelling. So you, so you say they got, so you're saying run it back immediately? Is the correct, compelling is the correct word to use here because in this division, this is the person that has given Shevchenko the most issues. And if not for the accidental headbutt, in which right after that, Shevchenko focused on that side of her, yeah. that side. Those high kicks uh, were coming. <laughs> <laughs> she, there's a very good chance that she loses this fight. I, I mean, yeah, she was, well, she was what? Some, uh, what, two of the judges had her, well, one judge had her down to one. The other, I forgot, lost track of what we had to do, what we were saying here. To one, well, actually, it would have been, a, at that moment, it was exactly even if it was after the third, because we had a 2-1 for her, a... Or am I doing this wrong, guys? No. What rounds did she lose? She lost two. Two, two, four, and five, I guess, is the scorecard she lost, right? Because everyone everyone agrees one and three she won, and everyone agrees Valentino won four and five. And the dispute well, not, every, not, not the 4-1 people. The 4-1 oh, people. Oh, yeah, there was, one, there was one card that was kind of crazy. Well, I mean, I, I was listening to some people doing their rewatches today, and they're like, man, 4-1 makes more sense than you think it does. And I'm, I, I don't know. I didn't. Maybe I'll check my purchase and watch it again. That's that's. Let's go with that. Um, Mark, I mean, what, do you, what do you think? I'll be running it back. Let me just ask you: Do you think we're going to run it back, or do you think um, we're going to? I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Their I mean, options I, already been. Mike, may, I think everything Mike says makes sense. You know, yeah. this is the first time she had any type of competitive fight whatsoever. Um, so staying in and having a rematch, I think, makes as much sense as anything else. I don't think there's anyone else in the division I really would rather her see. Although there are a few girls. Well, this is the up. rankings right now. Chukasian, mm-hmm. she beat Chukasian. Right. She beat up Lone Murphy. Mm-hmm. She beat up Jessica Andrade. Talia Santos is four. Yeah. Alexa Grasso is five. I think Grasso has a fight book, no? Mm, okay. That'd be fun. So the, the, the playing, yeah, the, but the playing field is fairly sparse. I mean, it's mostly just a graveyard of her title contenders who probably were all up in the top three, and then she lost to them, and then, you know, where do they go from there? But, um, I mean, for me, the big telling point is, and, and, you know, Valentina says she was potentially hurt, and maybe that explains some of the poor performance in this, because it's one thing in the first round where she just went for a lateral drop and just fucked it up. And just landed on her back. It's basically the exact same thing that happened with Maya, right? When Maya got on top, it was because Valentina went for basically a lateral drop, fucked it up, and ended up on her back. But Santos was then able to get takedowns of her own. It wasn't just Valentina making mistakes. She got takedowns and she was controlling the fight. Now look at I think when you start acting in and and the reason why people give Valentina round two was because damage trumps all. That is the most important aspect of the fight. Getting takedowns really don't mean anything at all. It all depends on what you're able to do with the takedown. And Santos didn't really do much. And Valentina was throwing... Valentina was hitting a... For someone in not advantageous positions, a lot of the fight, I was like, Valentina's just hitting her. A lot of hitting her. (laughs) Yeah. Not doing a lot of damage, but just doing a lot of... I mean, yeah, they were nothing stretched. But they... They count their strikes that she threw and they landed on the intended spot. Now they had no power. They had no damage. 
but their scoring blows as little of a score that you want to give it. And that's ultimately what won her in the second round. You know, she wasn't winning it off position. She was winning it because she was more active, you know, and it's just like, okay, this really wasn't much happening in those rounds where damage was being applied, you know, and then, you know, that headbutt changed the whole game. You know, she was on trajectory to lose that fight. And once her eye closed up, it gave her confidence. It gave her a target. It gave her something to focus on. Cause I like the things I liked about what Santos did was she was patient as fuck. She stood in that first round. She's like, I'm not coming at you at all. You come to me. And Valentina had to come forward, and she's not that great when she's coming forward as she is when the girls are aggressive and I want to get in your face, and they walk into her strikes, they walk into her spinning back kicks. You know, when someone's looking at you waiting to counter-strike, you can see the strikes coming a lot easier when you're just standing there. It's a lot harder when you're moving forward and you're throwing punches to see what the other opponent's doing. So there's a lot of things Santos did well in this fight. Um, it's really unfortunate like that the, the headbutt changed work. the... Did you catch mm-hmm. the corner work, Marcus? Her corner work? I don't think so. I always skip the when I'm rewatching. Like, there was a point where it's like they're just telling her, like, she's done. She's quitting. It's over. And I'm like, I don't think so. Like, that's not that's not what's happening here. Like, I, I felt there was a level of confidence at the time where like you I'm like, I'm not so sure this is going as well as you think it is. It was like between the second and third or third and fourth, and it was just like they were just like they thought they had it in the bag. And I'm like, yo, there's a lot of fight left. And a lot of this fight's been you like having positional control. I don't know. I thought yeah. like they had a strategy going in. Up your fighter. Sometimes yeah. it, I mean, the fight game's all mental. Yeah. So when your fighter's doing good, you know, you want them to know like you're doing good. You're, you're winning this fight. And, and up to that point into the fourth round, she was winning the fight, you know, regardless of how you scored the round two, she got one and three in the bag. So I think I would have to assume that's, you know, I always like to have more technical analysis, but sometimes it is just like keep the momentum going, keep the positive energy going. You're getting it done. And, you know, that might be the avenue they were trying to take. And ultimately it didn't work out, but it was as close as anyone's ever got. That didn't beat her. Like Amanda Nunes. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, you think they're going to run it back immediately? What do you, I mean? There's not a lot of stuff going on. I don't know. General. I mean, Pena and uh, Nunes have to figure that oh, out. Oh, Misha Tate said some wild shit today. Misha Tate okay. called out a Valentina. Oh, and then okay. Misha Tate's like, people know how good of a grappler I am. I'm the uncrowned champion of 125. And I'm well, like, definitely not that. I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? Does anybody picking about Misha Tate over Valentina? Honest question. And Misha looks better than she did before. Oh, she, did she lose? Let me say yeah, that, she too. Lost, she did come off a she loss, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valentina whoop her ass. I don't think that's that close of a fight, personally. But anyway, uh, she said I, that. I think she, this fight definitely gave some grapplers... Like some like oh, I mean, she's not the okay. first time to get taken down. Other people try to take her down. It didn't go so well. Some other people. So no, but like this was the first person that attempted and did it correctly. And we've seen multiple times. Well, Valentina will fucking just take herself down. You know, she loves getting the double underhooks, uh-huh. a high clinch. And I don't know if she doesn't practice enough. She loves trying to go for lateral drops. Mm. And that's the thing. You have to get under the hips. And you're basically, it, it's a dangerous wrestling move because you're basically doing a belly to belly suplex, but you're not turning until the last second. And a lot of times she whips that out. She doesn't have the control under the hips. The other person, Santos, just sinks down. And you land on your butt. And then you, you give up a takedown. That's what happened in the Maya fight, too. So, I mean, there's definitely some things. And I think Valentina also went for a head and arm throw. And we're just seeing, I think ultimately what we're seeing is women's MMA is starting to evolve to a higher level. And where a lot of people would be able to get head and arm takedowns, very risky. Because once you lose that head, they have your back. So we saw in this one, she, she actually succeeded. 
on getting that head and arm takedown. But Santos was able to scramble when uh, Valentina tried to go for an arm bar. She was able to get on top and got the position. So, you know, I think Santos did a lot of good things grappling. I think I loved how patient she was in the stand-up. She wasn't going to get overly aggressive and run into something. She was going to let Valentina throw her shots and work off of that. Um, so there's a lot of positives here. What they go from now, I think if Nunes beats Pena, a third fight there doesn't intrigue me. If Pena wins, then I'm very intrigued. I'd love to see Valentina because I think that's kind of a weaker champion that she could I'm sure to beat her ass with and be, yeah, and get a double championship. But if it is Nunez, if Amanda's able to beat Pena, then it's kind of like, well, we've seen this twice. I'm not super clamoring for it, but like, I wouldn't scoff at it either. So we'll see. Um, Joanna and Jacek got pretty beat up in that first round against Whaley. And then she got hit with a spanning back fest and hit the mat face first. Um, we're going to pick up the pace here a little bit because we're already half an hour into this show. I think we're all pretty much pretty clear that Whaley's got to get a title shot. Um, Mike, Ioana thinks Whaley's going to knock out Carla in the first round. I think that's because she doesn't think very highly of Carla. Um, she, I mean, she's saying that Whaley's going to beat her faster than Ioana beat Carla. Like, Ioana didn't beat her that quickly. Ioana took a round or two, I think Mark and I were talking about earlier. Well, that's also because Ioana... Joanna would just, you know, snipe people little by little, you know. Um, I don't really think Joanna had many just, you know, one punch knockout or, you know, quick knockout. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, this right here either. is why I bet uh, before the fight started. I made a quick bet on this fight going to decision. So that was a quick, quick 25 bucks I lost. Because I'm like, they went to it five last time. Fuck. Um, she beat Carla in the second round. Yes. Um, so, yeah, Whaley getting a title shot. Does anybody think that's not happening? Given the UFC general push to give Whaley as many title shots as humanly possible, seems like no, it seems possible. Too. Yeah, I, I, I mean, if it was, you know, if I don't know, she lost to Rose. I'm not interested in seeing Rose and Wang Whaley anytime soon. But her and Carla is a, a brand new matchup, and I mean, the most impressive thing in this fight. I mean, obviously, the spinning back fix, the finish was really great. Her stand up looked good. She's using sidekicks more effectively than ever. That's what set up the spinning back fist. She basically threw a sidekick off of a low kick, got in position to throw that spinning back fist. Joanna did not see it coming and got clocked. But more importantly than that, like she took Joanna down multiple times very easily. And these weren't the head and arm takedowns. These were these were legit knocking out the league leg, getting you know your uh, your center of mass underneath them, and taking them to the ground. So we've seen big strides there. And I think you know Wayleen, she knows wow. this. She, she when she fought Rose, she went for more takedowns. And I think she's utilizing like, look, I'm big, I'm strong, and more so than just my pure strength. If I can get these positions where I'm under their center of mass, I can throw these girls around. Now, is she going to be able to do that with Carla? I don't know. I think I think the stand-up's going to be a stronger suit for her. But we've also seen Carla has a vicious right straight. And really, all Carla needs to do is throw that punch, get Wayling to kind of cover up, and then shoot. And she might have some success. But I think Wayling's obviously... Well, I, th I think, Mark, this is time for you to have your mea culpa of Wayling. You're talking about Wayling's takedown game. I think we're knowing where that came from, man. This is a development in the last two fights. Where did it come yeah, from? Bobby, but I, I don't I don't say that Henry Cejudo is not a good coach or whatever, but you keep saying, like, oh, he's gonna get this title. Oh, this this guy's zombies training with him. He's gonna get he's like, he's not getting them titles. It's coming. Like, these guys are getting better. Well, he's he's, a, a, he's about to become champion. Give her four minutes. <laughs> well, let's see. Let's not count our eggs oh, before I, they I think it's time. I think we're about I think is this what we're doing. But I'm seeing I, I can look at the guys Henry has been training. And I say, oh, Figueroa was on there. 
Figueroa got that belt before he trained with Henry. No, he didn't. I can't give Henry credit for that. No, that's literally when he got the belt. Is when he Does it? Beat. Okay, then I stand corrected. <laughs> yeah, he lost the belt. Henry said, let me train you. Then he won the belt. I thought he had, I thought he had, no, Figueroa had, that's what I'm saying. Figueroa had the belt before. Yeah, but he lost it. And he had to he get, get it, it back. But, it, but he got to the belt before. What I'm saying is like, people go to Henry and they're like, yo, this We're guy's the goalposts here. Look, I think, I think people who no, listen to this podcast you're... for a long time know uh-huh. it's time. Beard bet 2.0. Uh, okay, you want Carla? You want oh. Carla? No. Oh, come on. What, what, what? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you guys should do that. You both have such nice, uh, lovely beards. <laughs> I want to do a fight where it's like we're both confident. I I'm thought you were saying Carla's got a vicious right hand. Like, vicious. Yeah, boom. her stand-up consists of one strike. And Wayling just knocked her out. She knocked someone out the spinning back fist. Yeah, I'll I'll pick a fight where it's like it's where I feel it. My, my, my end is a little bit more uh, advantageous. See, you're trying to you're trying to get me on some weak shit. I know okay. Carla's a weak champion. We don't know. She just became champion. We don't know what kind of champion. Yeah, she what is. was that fight, Bobby? The most boring <laughs> fight in women's MMA history, and I'm supposed to be like, yeah, I'm getting all that. I, 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 I was talking about beard on that. This is a side note. I was talking to my brother because he's going to the he went to the NBA Finals game tonight, and he's mm-hmm. just like, you know, and he was like, I'm trying. He's like, I want to go to everything. I want to go to you know. He's like, I went to a UFC title fight, right? He's like, I went to the heavyweight title because me and him went to Cormier versus Stipe. Right. He's, I'm like, yeah, you did. He's like, I also went to the worst fight ever. I went to Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if that's the worst fight ever because we just had this other one that went 25 minutes with Carla and Rose. That was 10 minutes longer. So I don't know. That might have been worse. There was more on the line, too. It was a title I, fight. I don't, know. I don't think anyone should be vibing to go to the worst fight. Like, looking at the car, be like, oh, this is going to be a snooze. I, mean, wor- get- I mean, the worst one I've ever been to is probably that car. Is probably Steve, is, uh, Ngannou and Lewis. Sure. Yeah. yeah nothing happened. Nothing happened there. Um, a qu- couple quick hits because I know nobody else watched this. Jake mm-hmm. Matthews, man, I've been we want, we've all been watching Jake Matthews be in the UFC since he was like fourteen. Biggest win of his career, cracked Andre Fialo. Beautiful win. He's won four of five. All of a sudden, Jake Matthews, twenty-seven years old, man. Big win for the Aussie there. Um, and then Mike and I's new guy. Jack Della Maddalena, all right? My man almost got choked. And I mean almost, I mean 40 seconds before he won this fight. That, that Darce, what, Mike? That Darce was in. That Darce looked like it was uh, in. I'm like, oh, we're going home. We're going home. We were, we were very close for going over with our, with our, with our picks. Oh, yeah, this dude, uh, what's his name? Had Marcus, did you see this? So this dude had, no, like, if you, I don't know if it was a Darce. He rolled. It might have been an Anna. Uh, what's the other one that you roll in? Yeah. Darce or Anaconda. Anaconda was He rolled and he's squeezing, and I'm like, oh shit, we're done here. And then our dude gets out of it and he stands up, and it's a clear that um Emiev did not consider the possibility that this fight will, would still be happening because his his arms were just were just dead and tired. And then like six punches later, uh Madalena put him down. People are going wild. I guess there's a lot of hype behind this dude. Um gotta work on the ground game. That's that's gotta that's gotta happen. Um. Anyway, um. Yeah, some undercard action. Big win for Brendan Allen. I don't know a lot of these other people. <coughs> UFC be back next week. Um, at the. It says June uh, June eighteenth is Saturday, right? Yeah, June eighteenth at the Moody Center in Austin, Texas. The Moody Center holds as many as fifteen thousand people, and it's a fight night that has a crowd. So uh it doesn't suck. 
Because if you watch the one the week later, it sucks. That has no crowd. It's in, considering it's in Austin, Texas, the uh, you know the, the the backyard of one Joe Rogan. Are we going to be seeing uh, Joe Rogan hosting a fight night? Joe Rogan's in Austin, Texas? Yeah. No. Sure he lives now. Uh, they, I don't think they want to pay him for that. Probably not. Um, all right. Um, before we do that, checking out some quick news. Uh, Misha Tate said some wild shit. They booked uh, Leon Edwards and Kamara Usman to fight in Salt Lake City. And I saw Leon Edwards' reaction to this where he this morning where he, they asked, and Ariel's like, when they said Salt Lake City to you, what did you say? He's like, oh, the fuck Salt Lake City was, man. I wasn't sure if it was in America or not. And I'm like, all right, good start. I almost felt like, unless Mike, as long as it's like a large Nigerian population in Utah, and I don't know, I'm not, you're not, I know you're not an expert on Salt Lake City. You've been there. One of the of, people I know been of there. Of the but. three people on this podcast, I am a veritable expert. On Mark's been to Salt Lake City. City. I've been there more, than, more yeah. than once. No. Nope. <laughs> so unless there's like a lot of Nigerians. No. Okay, I'm sorry, I feel they're sandbagging our dude Kamara. They're, they're sandbagging more, these numbers. <laughs> I, I'll say this. There's a lot more Polynesians than you would think in Salt Lake City. Nigerians, eh, not so much. Look, I'm just like... It's like the, the blackest main event they could have put together, man. Okay? <laughs> like, they're setting up to Utah. Like, the only time there's that many black people in one place in, Utes, in Salt Lake City is when the Jazz are playing. Yeah, the only arena where the Warriors don't sell out tickets is Utah. And I'm not sure why, to be honest. Although, I feel Leon Edwards... All right, I'm going to chalk this up to you know him being English. Kind of shitting on a great city that is Salt Lake City. I have been there enough times that I say I do enjoy Salt Lake City. And I also do enjoy that when I started going there, they stopped being so Mormon and actually allowed bars in the downtown area. Mike, taking shots at organized religion. Uh... No, I'm not taking a shot at the organized religion. I'm taking a shot at, you know, their reluctance to allow imbibing in the spirits. This is a rematch of the fight that took place initially in December 2015 with Usman winning by unanimous decision. Um, Last time that Leon Edwards lost. The other announced bout on this card, allegedly Luke Rockhold, Paulo Costa, assuming Luke Rockhold doesn't get hurt and Paulo Costa doesn't elbow a lady again when he's trying to get a COVID vaccine. Wait, you guys what? see that story? You guys hear that story? What? So Paulo was like, I'm going to go get that vaccine, right? I'm going to go get that vaccine. I think it's Good time. Call. I've done my research. Okay. In between posting memes, I have done my research. So Paulo goes to do it. And the lady's like filling out the card, the vaccine card, right? And, Paul's, and Costa sees the card and he goes, well, I'm just going to pick this card up and leave because this says I got the vaccine. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. So he picks up the card to leave. And the lady's like. Yo, you, we, you and, didn't get a and, shot yet. <laughs> and then Paolo gives her short clothesline. I mean, I'm not sure. She doesn't that. know how to work, Mati. Uh, okay. That, right, that was a reference literally for seven people. But um, I guess Costa saying he didn't really elbow. I'm assuming it was a real get off of me. Okay. Arm swing. Right. <laughs> so assuming that doesn't put him in jail, um, Utah will enjoy Luke Rockhold versus Paolo Costa. So Luke Rockhold isn't making this fight. Luke Rockhold makes it to the fight, then it doesn't go well. <laughs> That's a good uh, point. Um, I mentioned Hiri Proaska had a parade in his ta- in his hometown of Bruno. It's the word Bruno without a U. Just no letter there. 
Mm. Uh, I've been to Prague. I like Czech Republic. It's a really cool place. Uh, one of the few places I went to Europe and I felt that I could afford this place, too. Good food. Um, let's see. Uh, I, there's nothing going on. Chaz Kelly might have been cut. Could have been cut. Fine. We, got, we got three fights yeah. to pick, so we don't right. news. UFC fight night at the Moody Center coming from Austin, Texas. Let me get my belt. Because the gap is, I'm just getting farther ahead of Mike. All right? Farther ahead of Mike. Mike, why don't you read those standings for us? Okay. So, Dr. Law, the champ, is 29 and 13. Woo! DJ Mark with a K and Chalk are bringing up the next spot at 27 and 15 and i'm in last at 26 and 16 that's right mike just picking favorites would do better than his current status just picking the favorites mike's like i gotta win one of these this motherfucker won't stop talking <laughs> um mike do you have the DraftKings odds up or are we gonna are we, do you have the FanDuel odds up also i don't if you can vamp for a few seconds okay so Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett, we're going to do this for five rounds, folks. Um, last time we saw either of these gentlemen, uh, Calvin Cater had, I believe, bounced back from Max Holloway beating his ass worse than anybody ever got his ass beat in history, probably, mm -hmm. um, by putting a pretty decent ass kicking on Giga Chikadze back in January. Pretty one-sided affair there. Mm -hmm. Josh Emmett, I feel, is continually injured at all times, but uh, has won four straight, last one being that big win over Dan Ige. Um, his streak includes Michael Johnson, Merced Bechtick, Shane Burgos, and now Dan Ige. A man has won six of seven overall. Um, the loss to Jeremy Stevens in the middle there kind of derailing him for some people, I think. Um, and then not fighting for a year after that, Marcus probably was a, mm -hmm. brought a lot of momentum to a halt there. Yeah. Mike, oh, let's see the betting odds on DraftKings minus two thirty five for jo Calvin Cater. Josh Emmett's plus one ninety. Mike for FanDuel. Yeah, uh, so again, we are a FanDuel family over here. Calvin Cater is a minus 250 favorite. Uh, Josh Emmer is a plus 190 underdog on so FanDuel. Getting, getting worse odds at FanDuel. Um, I'm going to take... I don't like this. I don't like pick at all. This is tough. Honestly, I'm looking at it some more. I got to pick, right? That's how this works? Because I'm still yep. whipping that ass. Um, <laughs> Mike specifically. Mark and I... Mark's a two-time champion. We have respectful competition. Uh, I got Calvin Cater. I don't like this because I feel Josh Emmett just wins fights. Like, all of a sudden, it's the third round, Marcus, and Josh Emmett has reeled back a right hand and cracked one of these motherfuckers. You know? Mm -hmm. um, I'm still going to take Calvin Cater. I think he's a more complete fighter. I think he's a better fighter. He's overall a better striker, probably. Cater's, I mean, Emmett's just got a lot of power. So I'm a little worried, but I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take Cater getting it done here. Um, I'm, I'm looking to see if anybody here is from Texas. No. Okay. Um, yeah, I got Cater. Uh, Marcus, who do you got? Yeah, I agree. I think this is kind of a compelling fight, and I'm going to make it interesting. I'm going to pick Josh in this one. Um, Why well, I like him, he's fought a couple of guys that I've considered to be really good You know, with their hands. Shane and, and Dan uh, Ige, I think, are good boxers, and I kind of slot Calvin in that same spot. So I do like Emmett's, you know, one, I think he's going to have the power advantage. Now he's got to land the shot. That's going to be his, probably his biggest hurdle. But I also like, you know, he's a good wrestler too. So if things aren't going well, 
if Calvin is getting too aggressive, you know, maybe he could take a shot in and kind of change the, you know, the outlook of the fight that way. So I think he has maybe a little bit more options, but I think it is a really close fight. And I think I kind of disagree with the line being quite as spread as it is. Um, but you know, let's see, yeah, come fight I, night, Calvin could start piecing him up and that could be that. I think that fight with Max really, I mean, I'm happy, I'm happy he took the year off after. And that doesn't feel like it was a year and a half ago at all, by the way, that fight at all. It doesn't feel like it was a year and a half ago. But um, I like that he came back and he really, he really put that ass whooping on Giga Chikadze, which helped. It helped, you know. Mike, um, what do you, what do you, what do you got here, buddy? Yeah, I have Cater in this fight as well. Um, Emmett does have the prodigious power between the two, but give me the more complete fighter every day. Um, all right. Co-main event. We made this pick actually for this fight uh, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, when it was supposed to happen on UFC 274. Donald Cerrone, Joe Lazon. At the time, Donald Cerrone was the favorite. He is still the favorite. Mike, what is he at FanDuel with their weird-ass numbers? For, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but it is amazing how long these two have been in the UFC and you know, for the most part, been in the same weight division that they have never fought before. On FanDuel, Donald Cerrone is a minus 184 favorite to Joe Lozon's plus 142 underdog. Yeah, minus 165, plus 145 on DraftKings. Um, which uh, is roughly where it was when this thing closed uh, last month. We all picked Lozon. As the upset. Everyone, all three of us yep. did last time. Anybody want to change that? Mm. Not me. I, mean, I was gonna, Not knowing what I picked last time, I was still thinking lows on it. But the car, I mean, the line, it's saying Cerrone, but I'm looking yeah. at his record and it's like Fuck 2001. I mean, so, Fuck I mean yo, you can, pick, you can pick Cerrone, you know, your boy wants to get out of the basement. I mean, my, and I do. I mean, you'll just be in the and basement. I just, I, you know, my, my, my last pick you might just put me you know, back in the mic position. Yeah. But if I diversify too much, we I'm got one more fight to pick. I mean, that could be know, where you make your move. Come on. Come on. Oh, no, we're not. We're going to pick the fight, but we all know who we're going to pick. Yeah. Okay. You, know what? I, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like, let's have some fun. Let's have a game. Even though I shot down that horrible beard bet, horrible beard bet that Bobby tried to <laughs> proposition me. At. He's trying to get me. Should we do the beard bet on this one instead? <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah. Too bad. Well, you gotta shave your heads. <laughs> oh, no, I like make I'm, it real I'm, interesting. No, I, I like All my right. hair more than I like you. So it's, yeah, it's I, not I would gonna not look away. good. The it's shaved not going head. Away. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Look, it, it's either I'm gonna I'm gonna make some ground here, or it's this. Shit's this is the card. Sinking. This is the card in June where Mark's like, I'm making my move. I gotta get out because now it's me and Mark. Fun. Because Mark I'm and I have all... a different game going here. We're trying to get the first one to three. That's what we're going for. You know. Mark wants me to. Like Mark wants me to pick the same guy. Hand this to him. He, save oh, on shipping. Great. I just hand it to Mark. The, the championship title. Yeah, I, I'm it. gonna go with Cerrone. I'm gonna make it fun. Let, let's see. I mean, mostly I think he has the edge in the betting. One probably because he's popular, right? Let's, let's be real. But also, like the opposition he's been facing, I think has been maybe a step higher than what Joe's been facing. Even though, like, you know, Joe's been fighting. I mean, he's got Clay Guida loss in there. Man, know. Mark's really just picking against that entire fucking camp right now. Ooh, really? You know what? I, I feel okay with Cerrone. 
Uh, Joe hasn't fought. He's been a very, you know, studious person of COVID. And, and once yeah. that kicked off, he's like, nah, 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 sir. Not until 2022 when we have this under control or I just need to pay some bills now until I fight. So I'm going to go with Cerrone. We're going to make it interesting. Donald's getting choked in under four minutes. Very likely. That's it. Um, yeah, Mark picking against both the uh, gentlemen coming out of the New England. Uh, what's the name of that team of theirs? I had just looking at it. Is it Sarah's team? No, it's their team. It's um, Lozon MMA, but there's like a oh. nickname for the collective there. Um, Mike, you're also you're joining. Uh, you're going to be on Lozon with me. Correct the moon, though, there, Bobo. So Mark is taking noted uh, Trump supporter, alleged racist, probably a QAnon guy, Donald Cerrone. Yeah, and that's Man, why. You just <laughs> slandered him right there. Shit. I mean, well, two, of them, two, two of them. Two of them. Definitely wait, true. Wait, wait, me or Cowboy? <laughs> um kevin holland taking his time off of uh, away from beating up internet trolls which has really made kevin holland an interesting follow on social media he flies (laughs) you out and then he beats your ass and says you home um coming off a win over cowboy Oliveira, his return to welterweight um tim tim means is here for me to make my tim means business joke Mm -hmm. um this is what I find interesting, and he's coming off of three straight wins uh, against Mike Perry and two other guys. Uh, Mark, this is what I find interesting. The betting odds for this fight, they're saying that Kevin Holland is pretty much the same level of favorite that Calvin Cater is in the main event. And I don't agree mm-hmm. with that on any level, because I am pretty confident about Kevin Holland. Like, I think Kevin Holland's got this. I am in no way <laughs> confident about anything happening in the main event. And yeah, that's my pick. I got Kevin Holland. Mark, who do you got? <laughs> Yeah, I have Holland too. I mean, we've seen him fight against, you know, upper echelon competition and, you know, he's lost some of those fights, but he's also won some where I've always, and, you know, maybe this is unfair for me. Tim Means has always been kind of a journeyman to me. Like he'll get a couple wins, but when it really comes to fighting the top echelon of any division, like he just can't quite get it done. So I feel like Holland's going to win this one, but I think it'll be a good scrap. And I think like if you're a betting person looking for some underdogs, like, Tim's not a bad underdog, I don't think, because he's a tough guy. He really brings it. And if Holland doesn't find success early on, maybe he can make something happen. But I, I feel pretty confident in Holland. Mike? Tim means a loss. Sweeping it. Shout out to Tim Means still being around, man. Maybe he's not as old as I think he is. Um, 38. Not about as old as I think he is. He's still here, man. I don't think he's been he's been in the UFC short of yet. Two fights in legacy in the middle there, but pretty much since June, since for 10 years, June 8th, 2012. I'm sorry, no, February 15th, 2012. 10 years, though. Man was, uh, from King of the Cage, too. Some man who experienced the true MMA indies right there. Um, also on this card, uh, jo- Joaquin Buckley's on this thing. Julian Marquez is on here. Court McGee is going to go beat up with some schmuck named Jeremiah Wells on the undercard. Uh, Eddie, Wine- Eddie Wineland, I swear to God, said he was retiring like six years ago. I thought that was a whole fight. Eddie Wineland like lost and said, that's it, I'm done. Um, taking on Cody Staman. Deron Wynn um, must have lost some fights in the middle here because I'm wondering why my man's this low on the card. Um, and then Kyle Daukis, the younger brother of uh, Chris Daukis. The reason Mike is not the champion and I am the champion is uh, Chris Daukus. Worth mentioning that Kyle Daukus's nickname on Wikipedia is the Darce Knight, hmm, which my man cute. is 
According to Wikipedia, never gotten a Darce choke. No, oh, no, I was gonna say he must have racked up. He got. He, well, here's the thing: he got four Bravo chokes. No, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, Bravo got, Knight doesn't sound as. He got good. six Bravo chokes. Is a Bravo choke similar? I have no fucking idea. Ask Eddie Bravo. <laughs> He's making up his own chokes. Bravo versus. Darce. Oh, okay. I thought it was Bravo, like Eddie Bravo. That was the, the Darce choke or Bravo choke is similar to the Anaconda. Okay, it's the same fucking choke. Okay, right. Wikipedia. They put fucking Darce on the thing to put Bravo. Well, it's, it, it, there also the explanation is under arm triangle. We're just combining all these chokes into one. Okay, no, boy. When the guy's nickname is the Darce, whatever. Get the Wikipedia page yeah. up to snuff, you know. I mean, I'm assuming if I go to the OSP uh, page, all these all these uh, Von Flu chokes call them Von Pru chokes, right? Like, they better be. Like, what are we? What are we even doing here? Are like, we building a story on Wikipedia? Or are we not? No, it just says Von Flu. What a bunch of who are these people? Don't under, don't appreciate MMA lore. Well, um, we could easily go in there and edit them. Uh, no, they, they they just don't let you do that anymore. Okay, they say fair. no. You have no credibility. Um, it's like when I kept trying to change the setting of dark of a uh, red dawn the original because i wanted to win a bet mm. about when the movie was set and i kept changing it and it just was not sticking <laughs> well I, that's probably good and, yeah. you know and maybe we so i don't need this kind of power um all right stuff we like um is anybody watching the boys except me i am watching it as well i'm all caught up on episode four i don't think i'm all the way done with four is it just me okay maybe it's just my opinion let me give you my opinion and you tell me if you agree I'm kind of done here, man. Like, I'm not really digging this at all. I don't care about anything that's happening. And I feel the show a lot of times is just bloody for the sake of bloody. You have a look on your face, you might disagree with me, which is fine. But, like, I am, like, I'm kind of good. I I don't know. It's kind of petering out for me, this level of interest. A lot of it is just, like, shock shit to me. The only thing I really liked is when, um, what's the name of the fast dude? A-Train. A-Train. When A-Train had the commercial... About like civil rights, but it ended up being like a energy drink commercial when he was making fun of that Kendall Jenner thing, the her Pepsi drink uh, commercial. That was cool, but like I just generally, I'm just like I feel a lot of times the purpose of this show is just like like that whole scene with the little dude at the beginning of the in the, in the first episode when he climbs into oh, that was home. great. Oh come well, on, well that was that just was, like what's the point amazing. of this? Like what I mean, what's the point? I mean, I saw it seemed like they were just like yo, that's gonna make people think about like this some wild shit. Well, I don't know. I, I would disagree there just because so much this so much of this comes from I think the source material from the comics. So I don't think it's that they're ratcheting it up just for each season. I think it's just, yeah, this is the type of crazy shit that was in the comics. So I think it's just par for the chorus with the boys. So it just might be just getting sick of the show. Right, what do you think? Show. You like you digging it still? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like you know, mindless action movies. You got to know what you're getting into when you go to the movie theater. All right. You're not going to watch like a, a Van Damme or a Schwarzenegger flick thinking it's going to be Schindler's List. And when you watch the boys, what you're going in there for is you're going to watch some wild shit on Amazon Prime. I don't feel the story has advanced really like very far in three seasons. Okay. Like, I feel we're crawling again, again. We're in doing the, the same thing every episode. In the first episode this season, a dude shrunk and climbed Spoilers. into a man. Mark, you watching this shit? Mark's like a two season. Mark's like a season behind. Yeah, I didn't finish season two. I mean, this this sounds like what everyone wanted Ant Man to do to Thanos. Is that right? You yeah, that's what basically what happened. Other way, he went the other way. That would have been a very different Avengers movie. He, he went the other happened. way. 
They went okay. through the other and door. That's what I, I thought it was <laughs> one way or the other. But Yeah, basically. I think that's why they did it. Um, okay, so Mike's still Ooh. digging it. Ooh. I think, I mean, I'm watch, I've watched, I think, most of it. If I have nothing else, I will watch it, but I don't know. I think a lot of these shows, I'm not sure they had a plan this far to go for this far. So um, I'm trying to think what else I watched. Um, tried to watch some basketball, watch some wrestling. Um, that's pretty much it. Basketball is going to end soon. So some other stuff needs to catch my attention. So maybe I'll watch hockey. People seem to like that. Um, I enjoyed. I enjoyed when it made me money a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that was that was good. That was an ideal situation. Um, and uh, you guys, I mean, I I, I like the January sixth hearings, even though I think nothing's going to come of it. That's another thing. Sure, I nothing's going to come of it. We just passed some gun control law that doesn't do anything either. America does nothing. Supposedly, Rudy Giuliani was drunk when he was. Uh, you can take out the word. You can take out the word supposedly. I think we all know that. Allegedly, then I'll go with allegedly. I think obviously it might be a better way of putting it. He was obviously <laughs> drunk. <laughs> um, that was all I got, really. Um, I know Mark's got a lot. Mike, you want to go and let Marco uh, hit the th- things after that? Sure. A uh, quick thing for me, I think. Uh, you may have talked about it last week, Bobby, or just kind of mentioned it in passing. I watched volume one of uh, Stranger Things, and the shit was great. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, the I don't want to say the twist at the end of a uh, volume one, but the reveal in regards to the what did you figure backstory. out? Uh, well, Mark hasn't watched it, so I don't want to say too much. I saw season one. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. volume one of season. Oh, of, okay. I can, yeah. I can take my headphones. Off. All right, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a, a sign when, uh, when you can come back in. All right, anybody else, else see it? Listening? We're, we're gonna do a five second count here before we start with the spoilers. Five, one, four, three, two, three, two, four, five. One. All right, look at that. Look at us. Look at us counting in the opposite no. direction. It definitely played perfect. one of our voices at any time, so we'll see. Um, opposite track, baby. Uh, but yeah, so. I figured out pretty early on that that attendant was uh, was Vecna, mm-hmm. but when he started helping, when he started showing kindness to her, I thought that was yeah. what I was like. Uh, what I didn't, what I wasn't expecting was that Vecna was also the very first of uh, mm-hmm. of, I guess for lack of a better term, for the first of L's kind, um, of people with, with with powers. So that was pretty shocking for me, and. Then to have it where oh god, I gotta wait a month now for volume two. That was a that that was cruel, cruel punishment. But it was it was very good, very entertaining. So uh, let's get uh, let's get Mark back in here now. Um, Stranger Things volume one season four was was pretty damn good. I think less than that, but I still enjoyed it. Choice is a terrible mother. Oh, uh, uh, Kate, Kate Bush running up that hill. I've heard it a solid twenty times. And my, it's all over. It's all over TikTok now. When this is over, you listen to the placebo version. That's my preferred version of that song. I, I, I did it. It was okay. You like the Kate? You like the Kate Bush one more? I like the you know I like the originals. You know the same way I like my ice cream as vanilla. I like my music with the original. Mike, boring with ice cream. Boring with music. Mark, what do you got? The uh, what do you got this week? I like vanilla ice cream too. So I mean, I think oh, we got hate, you dead to rights on here. Jesus. 
Without vanilla um, ice cream, you're nowhere. Uh, yeah, so uh, Summer Game Fest started up this last week. It kind of started even the week before, and I kind of forgot to mention PlayStation did a state of play that was mostly third-party-centric, but they did show off some cool games that got shown more. Um, probably their biggest reveal was Street Fighter VI that really has kind of the fighting game community and like a bit of a frenzy. Um, I personally, when I first saw it, I thought it was a little off-putting. Um, the graphical style, they're going for a little bit more realistic, and I did think it looked a little weird at first. Um, now, having watched like hours of people playing it and stuff, I, I really do dig the visual art style and a lot of the uh, mechanics they've added. They basically added a new gauge, which is working as like multiple different things that they've done in other games. Like there's it basically it, it's called the overdrive gauge. It deteriorates when you block. It goes up when you parry. They're doing a lot of the direction of six is in a really positive direction, um, especially after five really didn't get a lot of people excited. That game came out in a really bad state and it wasn't until years of patching and adjustments and more characters did that start to find its footing. So it definitely seems like they're going to hit the ground running with six. And in the first trailer, they showed some like really weird open world S type stuff where it looks like you're going to be creating a character and then walking around Metro city and sharuking garbage cans and stuff. It was, it was a little off putting to see it at first. It's like, is this street fighter? Is this some kind of like final fight remake or something? It was a little weird, but it'll be interesting to see what that all means. And just seeing the characters that, uh, you know, when they get revealed, um, a lot of them did get leaked right after the game was announced. Uh, someone posted basically concept art for basically all the characters. Um, and while that really sucks because that is kind of how you market fighting games, it's all about like, drip feeding the community like oh this character is going to be in and this is what they look like so to see kind of the whole roster and kind of what visually they're going to look like or what their style is going to look like takes a lot of that away but the positives are people really liked it like what they saw looked really promising the characters they have in there basically everyone from street fighter 2 um except the bosses oddly enough aren't going to be in there um and just like the redesigns of the characters look cool uh, and then there's lots of rumors uh you know, my favorite character, Ken, was in there. I'm, I'm mostly just glad he's going to be in the game. But there's lots of rumors that because he looks a little disheveled in the concept art, there's rumors that he got a divorce with his wife and he lost his kids. And now he says, like, I used to fight the streets and now the streets are fighting me, which I thought was funny. Um, but yeah, that game looks really good. They also showed uh, the Resident Evil 4 remake at the PlayStation event. Um, but really, if I'm being honest, comparing this summer game fest to... E3s of past, you know, it really kind of pales in comparison. And to be fair, E3 really wasn't E3 after the last couple of years. I mean, even before COVID, uh, PlayStation had dropped out. Nintendo had dropped out. Those are two of the biggest players. So it was really Xbox and third parties and indie devs were kind of there. And for the most part, you know, what we saw with the, uh, the Summer Game Fest was like, we saw some fun announcements, but not a lot that really kind of like got people really crazy. For me personally... The most exciting announcement was I like a lot of people. I've been fucking waiting to hear when the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game is coming out. I was really hoping it'd be a shadow drop, and they'd be like, "It's out today, motherfuckers!" There you go. Um, unfortunately, not. But it comes out this week on the 16th, which is if I couldn't get a day of getting it the next week is great. They also announced Casey Jones as a playable character, and they also announced, which I think will be fun but super hectic, is it's going to have a six-player mode, which is kind of insane. When you have a side-scrolling beat-em-up, usually they max out at four characters. And even then, 
there's so much shit going on at the screen, it's really easy to lose track of your characters. Adding in two more player characters is just going to be kind of maddening. But I think it looks really fun. I'm really excited to play that game, kind of see what it has. And I do hope it kind of gets legs and they have some DLC because I really want uh, Yosaki Yojimbo added. That would really be a, a dream come true for me. Some of the other big releases that they uh, showed heavily rumored um, and actually basically got leaked the day they showed it was uh, Last of Us Part 1, which is basically Naughty Dog redoing The Last of Us, the first game, which on a whole seems a little premature. That game came out at the end of the PS3 life cycle. It got remastered for PS4, which it had 60 frames per second. It looked great there. I didn't really feel like it needed a remake, but the one thing that I do think is really promising is that they they basically said like they're changing the gameplay, and the gameplay in Last of Us Part Two was miles better than Part One. I really liked how they restructured uh, stealth, and essentially that you can go into stealth, and then once you're discovered, everyone just doesn't automatically know where you are at all times. You can basically re-enter stealth start hiding and then start picking guys off again which i think is such a fun gameplay mechanic so to have that in part one i think will kind of rejuvenate like the gameplay of it you know the story is going to be exactly the same beat for beat um they're just kind of you know making it look pretty you know it looks of the same quality of, of last of us part two which also looked fantastic um i did watch the microsoft bethesda press conference which i don't have an xbox but i watched these and i'm like can you convince me? I'm not above buying your system if you can sell me on it. And to be honest, the first couple of games they showed, I was like, hmm, okay, I'm kind of, I'm feeling it. Um, and then it kind of dropped off. And there was a bunch of shit I was like, I don't really care about. And at the end of the day, I was like, I don't really know if you sold me. Um, but the first game they showed uh, from, I think it's Arkine Studios. And these are the guys that made Dishonored. Um, and then even Deathloop, that was just on, that was a PS5 exclusive, is Redfall. This is a four-person co-op open-world game where you're kind of fighting vampires. Each of the characters has like a different, unique ability. It looked cool. The, the trailer was really stylized and fun and honestly just made that game look like, oh, this looks like a really fun game. And that was like, I was like, I'm kind of excited for this press conference. This is a good jumping-off point. Uh, a game they showed right after that that, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was fun. It's called High on Life. And this is from Justin Rowland, who uh, is part of Rick and Morty. He made a studio called Squash Games. They made uh, Trevor Saves the Universe, which was like a VR game, which I played and really enjoyed. I like Justin's humor. Um, I do. It's very Rick and Morty, Solar Opposites, but it does kind of lack that um, Dan Harmon kind of like cohesion that I think Rick and Morty has that kind of puts it over the top. Um, but this game looks stupid and fun. You basically, it's a first person shooter, but your guns are little alien dudes. And I think um, like JB Smooth was voicing one of them. So he's got like some good voice actors or, you know, funny comedians on there just spouting out nonsense. I thought that game looked fun and cute. Um, and then the big bell of the ball for them, the big showcase they wanted to show was Starfield. This is the next big game from Bethesda, the guys that did Fallout and uh, Elder Scrolls. And Fallout's been a game that's been we've known about forever. They've shown little clips here and there. And this was kind of their first big deep dive. And I definitely thought it looked impressive, but at the same time, it did also just seem like this definitely seems like from the same guys that did fall out. Some of the combat, there was one instance in the beginning where they were, you're following this guy and you kind of sneak up on some bad guys and he unloads a clip into this one guy and he didn't really animate with any of the bullets hitting him. He kind of just, you just saw his life bar go down and then he died. And I was like, Ugh, that's, 
I mean, look, it's early too. The game's not coming out until next year, but um, it seemed very reminiscent of No Man's Sky. You're going to be going to different planets. Apparently, there's like thousand planets that you can go to. They said that you can kind of land anywhere you want on the planet, which kind of makes me think like there might not be a lot to do just anywhere you land. But you know, we'll see. It looked very promising visually. It looked really cool. Um, they have a great pedigree, so it'll be interesting to see you know what they pull off. Um, and then outside of that, they also showed Midnight Suns, which is like an XCOM strategy game from uh, Marvel, which I think looks really cool. Had my eye on that from the guys that did the XCOM series uh, for Axis, I think is the developer. Um, that's coming out in October. I was kind of hoping for a summer release on that one. And then lastly, I did want to mention um, the Callisto Protocol. Um, we saw this game before. This is actually from the guy that started the Dead Space series. I think it looks fun. It looks like a fun horror game, very much in the same vein of Dead Space. But honestly, why I've kept an eye on it and kind of like proud of it is that the developers aren't only in San Ramon. They used to be in the same building that we were at. They're called Striking Distance. And I remember years ago, I was listening to a podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy started a uh, video game dev in San Ramon. I was like, what the fuck? Like, where? And I was like, it has to be Bishop Ranch. These are the only buildings in this fucking city you could have like a studio. Um, and lo and behold, they were in the same office building that, you know, me and Bobby worked at that got demolished and they had to move to a different um, plant. But it's just kind of fun. Like, oh, this game's coming from San Ramon, the place I live. That's kind of weird. It looks great, too. It looks fun. I mean, if you like that kind of like um, that type of horror game, it looks really cool. And that one, sadly, is coming out in December. It really seems like it should have been. Uh, Marcus, what was the name of the what was the name of the event last week? The one that was Thursday, Friday? Uh, it, Summer Game Fest. So Summer, Summer Game, Game Fest was Jeff... Jeff Keeley is kind of like the one-man army of the video game community. He runs the Game Awards show and this Summer Game Fest. He's also kind of a talking head for the Germany uh, convention that I think is going to be in a couple months. E3 is dead? Yeah, so, I mean, E3 had slowly been dying. Um, COVID kind of put some nails in the coffin. I think last year they kind of did like a quasi-digital thing. This year they did nothing. They said they're going to come back next year, but honestly, when Sony and Nintendo kind of dropped out, it's kind of like, what are we doing here? You know, and that's what made E3 so special. It was literally a whole industry that it used to be. It was a whole industry that was like, okay, we need to get corporate heads from Best Buy to see the games we're launching later this year so they can put in buy orders to buy games for the holiday season. Obviously, like the industry's changed. That's not really necessary. And it quickly became an event for the industry for fans, right? And it was really like every video game company's here. We're all competing for headlines. They give awards away. You'll see, I mean, they used to you used to see on game boxes like, oh, this game won the E3 award, which is kind of like a bullshit award. It's just like, oh, what looked good at E3? But like you just slap that on a box and it's a way to sell a game. So I mean, it used to be a big thing, but the ESA that runs it has been really crappy. It's really expensive for these companies to hold events there and do these press conferences where it's just as easy for them to just make a video package and just be like, yeah, we're going to post this on YouTube and Twitch on Thursday at 3 p.m. Come watch it. We don't have to you know, get a big booth and make a big production out of it. Um, so that's what Sony and Nintendo's done. So we'll see. It, it, I'd be really happy if we got back to the point where E3 is a huge event where it's literally a whole industry just competing with itself for our attention and just trying to make the fans happy and just kind of, you know, make our minds explode. Like 2017 was probably, I think one of the biggest E3 years, I think it was 2017, where they showed the final fantasy seven remake and last guardian and Shenmue three. 
and it was just like man like that event was so fun it was so fun to like you don't that's like these, these events are fun because as a gamer you don't know what they're going to show so you can literally just start hyping yourself and be like oh I, I hope they make you know a sequel to this game or that game or there's a brand new game i didn't know about that looks really fucking awesome you know it's a it's a time for you to get your your uh, pants wowed off you um and this year it really wasn't quite there you know it was fun there there were good events there's some good games on tab like i mentioned but it's not quite hitting that stride that e3 used to but you know we'll see if we get there again and you know not all good things last forever you know we had a good run there where we were really just being catered to left right and center um you know we still get we're still getting great games it's just not like a three-day chunk where it's like everything's getting announced trailer after trailer after trailer after watching people play games and seeing all this stuff and you know the industry changes it's unfortunate that it's not really a thing anymore but we'll see you know maybe it comes back maybe it doesn't i got some breaking news what? before we call the podcast oh floyd mayweather to face makuro asakura in ryzen exhibition bout in september oh god okay yeah I'm okay <laughs> I don't know who that is. Rising and now I got something ridiculous because that was oh, ridiculous okay. one. That wasn't ridiculous. Lady Gaga is reportedly in early talks to star as Harley Quinn in the Joker sequel, which sources say may actually be a musical. Musical. I, I, I did see that headline too. That sounds cool. That sounds cool. Sounds a little weird, but sounds cool. I don't think it sounds cool. It sounds like I, I, I think I need to see it, I guess. But, uh, also, live action Harley Quinn is Margot Robbie. That's I thought we've established that. That's that's who Harley Quinn is. Sure, pretty good I think one. Gaga, Gaga, I think could do it, and if, especially if she's singing. I think that's that could be interesting. That's a weird take. It's not really why I thought they'd go with that uh, sequel, but eh, we'll see. Okay. Um, pardon me. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all we got. <laughs> that's all we got. Apologies. Um. So we'll be back next week. To discuss this terrible, terrible UFC card. Headlined by... I just had it in front of me, and I've lost it. I'm not sure it matters. I trashed it pretty heavily. Yeah, it's Sukarian bad. versus Gomrot. Yeah, it's rough. I don't know who, don't know who either of those guys are. Good I've though, seen so hey, Good on them. We'll find I, out next week. <laughs> I guess we're going to have to learn who they are. Because if they're going to make a Wikipedia page and be like, whoa, look at all these guys. I also don't know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> we got a bit of uh, Dagestan. I mean, let me. Actually, I don't think he's Dagestani, is he? Hey, sorry, we got Georgian versus versus Polish is what we got going on here. Thirty-one years old, mm. twenty-five years old. Anyway, so we back next week. Um, no one saw Miss Marvel, huh? We talk about that next yeah, week. I did. Yeah, we'll talk about it when it ends. I yeah, I gotta watch Miss Marvel. We I can't, can't, we can't give them all the goods in one episode. Well, here's the thing, man. I can't. I, I gotta get on board with Miss Marvel just by default because you can't make a show about a Muslim superhero that's already got people review bombing the episode, and it's a show for children, like because they're just racist people. I got, I, I gotta, we gotta get on board. Gotta support the cause. Um. All right, we'll be back next week. Well, thank you all for listening so much. Um. The Warriors are losing, so I'm going to have a pretty bad evening. So uh, maybe this time next week, <laughs> my misery will have ended. Or we will have won. Uh, actually, false. You guys are not losing. Is because Jordan, Jordan Poole just hit a buzzer beater to end the third. So we're up, what, one? Uh, you guys got 75. I don't know what the other team has. Then how do you know we're winning? You're not losing.
How do you, you don't know what the other team has? What is your? I know it's not more than seventy five. Scoreboards don't work like this. Scoreboards do not work like this. All right, uh, be back next week. Thank you all for listening. I was Doctor Law. That was DJ Mark. That was Lavender Gooms. Stay safe out there. Peace out.